You are listening to Mamir's Well podcast, a Burning Hallows production. We are your hosts, Kitty Fields and Alora Rain. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button to receive notifications of future episodes. We invite you to check out our sister podcast, the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, where we explore folklore, spirit work, and witchcraft practices from the days of our ancestors and today. And pay a visit to Alora's website at alorarain.com to grab a tarot reading, numerology, or soul origin profile. And now on to the show. There are two sides to everyone, a light side and a dark side. Our newest continuing series we call Heroes and Villains seeks to better understand the many complex facets of the human experience, the good and the bad, the joy, love, and laughter, the greed, jealousy, and fear. In this series, we will meet various mystical figures from the past, many that have warranted much controversy over the years. Here on Mamir's Well, we'll uncover the villainous side of this mystical figure from history. And once you've listened to the villain episode, we encourage you to jump over to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast to listen to the hero's tale, where we explore the opposite side of the coin. This is to propose that any of us can occupy these roles simultaneously or be both and yet neither, no matter how society portrays us. In today's first Heroes and Villains episode on Mamir's Well, we have tea with the dubious Queen of England, Anne Boleyn. So grab your cuppa and get ready to drink from the well. Yes. I want to ask you a personal question. Mm. Personally, what is your personal opinion of Anne Boleyn? So, is she a hero or a villain? Oh, I don't see. This is where my history brain kicks in. And I don't think that she, I, I think she was both and neither. Ah, and therein lies the whole point. Right? To our heroes and villains series. Yeah, because look, in today's world, things are very black and white. We don't really give anyone much wiggle room. Uh, So, you know, with cancel culture being what it is, with, you know, just all the things. Mm -hmm. Like it's either it is or it isn't. But that's not the way that human nature works correct like we're all capable of both and I think we all do both depending on circumstances yes and we could also have a skewed idea of who these people were because it's based on what's been written about them true true Okay, so do you want to tell us about supposedly villainous queen? (laughs) I totally can. Okay. So most of us have heard of her. Anne Boleyn's name, after all, is it permeates uh, modern culture, whether that's in TV shows, movies, etc. They paint a vivid picture of the Tudor dynasty and its part in the English Reformation. 
whether for good or for bad, if you haven't yet, I recommend watching the show, The Tudors. I don't know how historically accurate it is, but it's entertaining nonetheless. <laughs> and plus it's got Jonathan Reese Myers in it, which is kind of hot. Uh, <laughs> he looks too much like my brother-in-law. So I just, no. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as historically accurate, I think they embellish a lot mm-hmm. uh, in that show, which you, which as you do, you have to make it entertaining although i have to say henry and anne for the time it it was like watching the world turns or you know some other soap opera (laughs) but we'll get into that (laughs) yeah okay so let's go back to the start and introduce one of the most controversial figures in english history so anne boleyn was born sometime between 1501 and 1507. We don't know the specific year what she was born. That's kind of a history mystery. Mm-hmm. But she was born to Earl Thomas Boleyn and Lady Elizabeth Howard. Both of her parents came from wealth and held positions of power in English politics, as you can tell from their titles. Interestingly, but also not surprisingly, uh, her father, Thomas Boleyn was a knight in the Order of the Garter, which was an order of chivalry founded in England in the 14th century that has some secrets, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they were said to be a secret society, and you won't really find a ton on this if you Google it. <laughs> True. Okay. What about Anne's mother, Lady Elizabeth? Have you heard these rumors about her? Oh, yes. So... <laughs> It is rumored that her mother was actually a mistress of Henry VIII. That's right, folks. Henry VIII. The woman was the mistress of the man that her daughter was going to marry someday. And of course, these were just rumors. But supposedly, Anne may be the daughter of her husband. So, and I don't really quite understand the timeline there, but anyway. Well, like I said, was Henry much older than Anne? I believe so. Yes. Ew. Okay. At that point, yes. Because see, he and Catherine of Aragon were actually married for, well, let me think. I think he was 16 or 17. I can't remember because see, Catherine was not his choice to marry. Catherine was actually married to his brother and his brother died. And his brother was the one that was supposed to be King. Henry never was supposed to be King. Interesting. Okay. And so when his brother died, he like inherited a wife (laughs) and she was much older than him. I think too, that in addition to lady Elizabeth being a little, promiscuous and sister also had that reputation mm, and sister mary mm-hmm. uh, had a promiscuous reputation of her own while in the court of the french king and queen mary was said to be the mistress of king francis the first who referred to her as his english mare oh my god <laughs> that's like 
like there's there is nothing like really embracing the concept of brood mares for women that's just gross listen yeah that phrase being used mm. like about women just completely gives me the like heebie-jeebies oh it gets worse He's even quoted as saying that she was the greatest whore and the most infamous of all. I still feel like the mayor is worse, but yes, it's pretty bad. Uh, later, Mary would slip up and again become another king's mistress. <laughs> she would become a mistress to Henry VIII. Just keep it all in the family. Oh my God. <laughs> There's this a is, lot. Um... Like, I wish I could say that this royal tale what like lived in a vacuum, but no, this was, this was like the norm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it didn't matter what country you're talking about. So, um, you know, keeping it classy. <laughs> Always. Oh my God. Okay. But back to Anne. Anne was born in Blickling, but she grew up at the Boleyn home of Heber Castle in Kent. We don't have a whole lot of information about her childhood, but we do know that she spent some time in France, about seven years in her teens. Uh, there's also, she also spent most of, well, from what I know, she spent most of her childhood abroad. She really didn't live in Heber Castle much. She ended up being an attendant to the French queen. She acquired this job through her older sister, you know, the greatest Mm -hmm. whore in history. Yeah. Some claim that it was in France where Anne first crossed paths with Henry VIII. Apparently he was meeting with King Francis when Anne first saw him. And at this point, Henry VIII was young, fit, good looking, a hottie. Not like in his later years where he was obese and just falling apart, essentially. And obviously, I have a hard time believing he was a hottie, but maybe he was okay. <laughs> and obviously, he was a king, so he had money and power. True. Eventually, Anne's sister returned to England and left her to attend to the queen without being with her for some time thereafter. Mm hmm. So enter Anne's promiscuous ways. I feel like there should be. I mean, they do seem a little promiscuous when you start reading about all this stuff. Yeah. So it's a tad. Well, in 1522, Anne returned to England as well in preparation for a marriage to the Earl of Ormond. This marriage didn't go through as planned. And Anne ended up flirting with another handsome man of power in court named Henry Percy. Mm-hmm. At this point, she had become an attendant in the court to the Queen of England, Catherine of Aragon. Right. Uh, this particular relationship was ended by King Henry. <laughs> yeah. So Henry had set his eyes on Anne and well, basically told Thomas Cromwell, uh, I don't care what you do, but break them up because she's mine. Ugh. Yuck. Yeah, gross. And next, she would start her affair with the already married Henry VIII. Yeah, I think we forget like some of these 
details about her like when over on the hero's tale on otherworldly oracle we we talk about these things but we're not like really looking at it through the lens of okay what was really going through her mind uh, when she's like okay i'm gonna go with this guy i'm gonna go with this guy and then you know this, this already married king is like flirting with her and she's like cool sounds good you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah especially because it then implies that she is power hungry it does yeah okay so it's english different. reformation let's talk english yeah. reformation yeah well we talked about it on oo but inevitably and seduction of henry or vice versa, however way you want to look at it, caused a schism between the Roman Catholic Church and England. Mm. Henry asked for an annulment from his then wife, Catherine, but the church denied the request. And so he married Anne in secret. This mm. led to Henry breaking off his relationship or basically just breaking off from the Catholic Church altogether, creating the Church of England and essentially he was asking his people to decide to honor him above the Catholic church. Mm. So we have to discuss whether the English reformation was ultimately a good thing or a bad thing for society overall. Most people will say it was a good thing and all the benefits it had. However, most of us would be inclined to say that it was a good thing because it weakened the Catholic church, its hold on England as mm. well as in Western Europe. Right. Others might say it also brought about the Protestant Reformation, which then in turn brought years of violence between Catholics and Protestants in the British Isles and Ireland, et cetera. And according to this person whose name I can't pronounce, <laughs> Lives, Lisbnet, uh, as a result of the constant shifts in religion, the Protestant Reformation affected the English society in a drastic way. The people of England were now obliged to choose between their allegiance to their ruler or their allegiance to their religion. It was a religious tug of war between the Catholics and the Protestants for many years. I don't know. I find that to be a bad thing. Yes, killing in the name of religion <laughs> is never a good idea. No. Mm -mm. If we look forward by a century or so in the 30 years war beginning in 1618 between the Protestants and the Catholics, scholars believe the number of deaths exceeds 5 million. That's a whole lot of people. And they're all just going like, like, I believe in God. I believe in God, but I believe in, in something a little different. So let's kill each other over it. Like it's so ridiculous, but anyway. Okay. But back to Anne, following this secret wedding, Anne Boleyn gave birth to a little girl, Queen Elizabeth I. So that implies that she was pregnant at the ceremony. All right. King Henry VIII was disappointed that he didn't get his male heir because up to this point, he hadn't had a male heir with Catherine either. Right. So he has not secured his line of succession at this point. Mm -hmm. And so Anne knew that, you know, I got to give birth to a son here or I'm going to be 
kicked out just like Catherine was. I mean, this woman had one job. <laughs> this was her only job. Yeah. To make a boy. Sadly, Anne's two pregnancies weren't viable and Henry went on to fall for yet another woman, Jane Seymour, Anne's attendant. Which it's very interesting because uh, Anne's two pregnancies that she miscarried, if she was Henry's daughter, that could be why. Uh, Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, definitely. That it's actually anthropologically incest is the one thing that human beings automatically don't do. Well, but a lot of the royalty did it. Right. But they, it, mm, they did, but I think it was more a conscious decision. Do you know what I mean? But, but it's still like doing it. yeah but i'm just saying like in human nature like take the politics out of it take all that stuff just human beings they naturally will gravitate towards people outside of their own gene pool well i would hope so yes biologically that's all i'm saying for sure but i'm just saying through royalty like in egypt too they did that too where they would you know marry a brother or cousin or what have you right and that was solely to keep a throne you think that but you don't know they might have thought that you know uncle uh timius was stop it (laughs) (laughs) that's gross sorry come on it's my mirror as well it's a joke people it's a joke oh i know but i'm just saying i'm like Okay. What about the accusations? I know this is where it's going to get good. I'm so excited. So talk to us about what happened in 1536 and what she was accused of. Okay. So Anne is accused in 1536 of adultery, incest, and treason. The adultery was said to have been between Anne and five other men, one of which was supposed to be her own brother. The first gentleman was actually a musician in the court who confessed to having carnal knowledge of the queen and then pointed the finger to others with whom the queen was having intimate relations. Many modern historians believe these claims are just ludicrous because for one thing, Anne would have, like she would have always had servants, right? Wherever she went, there were even servants in her bedroom. For another, the enormity of the claims seem implausible the timelines don't match up. But however, a new biography by George Bernard at Southampton University claims that Anne absolutely could have committed these affairs. And as proof, he offers this. Examining a 1545 poem by Lancelot de Carlet, Uh-oh. who was then serving the French ambassador to Henry's court, Bernard concludes that the poem entitled A Letter Containing the Criminal Charges Laid Against Queen Anne Boleyn of England offers strong evidence that Anne did in fact commit adultery. She was accused of despising her marriage and entertaining malice against the king with her indictment claiming that by 
space conversations and kisses, touchings, gifts, and other infamous uh, incitations. She seduced men, including the musician Mark Smeaton, chief gentleman of the Privy Chamber, Henry Norris, and her brother, George Viscount Rochefort, alluring him with her tongue in his mouth and his in hers. All five men and Anne were executed. Okay. So, but let's just back up here for just a second, though. Yep. If she indeed was married to her father, I mean, I would have despised the marriage too. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Like, oh, goody. This is where it gets good. As the world turns. As for the despising of her marriage, it's actually really well documented documented that aside from the miscarriages and Henry's cheating ways, Anne and Henry fought a lot. Like these two were what we would call a toxic couple in modern society. Like Johnny Depp and anyway. Oh, don't, don't, do not get me started on that. I am currently like enthralled and have so many opinions. I know you do. Oh, but anyways. Okay. But back to this. We can agree that they were toxic though. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Okay. So Henry was known to have a terrible temper and Anne, she was not subordinate. She just didn't, she's not letting it go. In fact, Anne Boleyn notably called the King publicly impotent citing no she did not the king cannot satisfy a woman he has neither the skill nor the virility in public she says this this is a public attack on his manhood that no king can tolerate and at that time it was unheard of to one argue with the king much less to emasculate him in front of everyone that sucks like i'm surprised she lasted as long as she did quite frankly maybe but in her defense maybe she was saying these things after he she found out he was cheating on her could be uh additionally henry's impotence was actually made a big deal in her trial and his father-in-law had to read accounts about it yeah like out into the court and like he he even laughed like her father-in-law was laughing as he was reading this. So Henry was completely just, like I said, emasculated and made a fool of and embarrassed. And interesting fact, ultimately, Anne was actually not beheaded with an ax. She was beheaded with a sword, which was not common. Yeah. Like Henry actually got an executioner from France to come with a sword. What is the point of that? I don't get it. Okay, so the point of this, some people, some historians think the point of that was to show a symbol of his virility by using a sword. (gasps) Oh. Like, how dare you? I'll show you how much of a man I am because I'm going to get somebody with a sword, not an axe. Chop off your head. This is some dark shit. I know like this look y'all know I love history and this kind of stuff is 
the stuff that made me be like, Ooh, ah, yes, this is like, what? Tell me, tell me something else. This is great. Like, I know I probably sound like a crazy person. I was going to say what having people's heads lopped off with swords. I'm confused. No, the dark, like the stuff that is not in a textbook. This is literally like a soap opera. Right. right. Okay. I need to calm down. I'm too excited. Oh my God. You're (laughs) hilarious. So what about her being a witch and carrying the marks of the witch? Okay. So do I think that she had a six finger? Well, if she was Henry's daughter, I mean. Oh God. It all comes back to that. Okay. So she was said to have a sixth finger or an extra digit and a, a win, which was like a cyst on her neck, which she covered with, you know, jewelry and high collared dresses. And some sources claim she actually made jokes about it, about Mm -hmm. hiding it. But Henry VIII testified that Anne had used witchcraft to coax him into the marriage in the first place and gave birth to monsters following the birth of their daughter. Oh. It was also well-documented that Anne was not a beautiful woman. In fact, she's described as quite homely with physical deformities, facial imperfections, having no breasts. Oh. They actually say that she made her way into Henry's heart through her wit and her charm, which is why the accusations of witchcraft were laid, I believe, because she had something of a silver tongue. She was intelligent. She had a love of music and dance. She was a big flirt. Um, And if you put yourself back in that time period, she was all the things that a woman shouldn't be. And she was doing those things very publicly. Hmm. So, you know, maybe there was a little glamour going on there. Interesting. What about the treason? Tell us about the treason. (laughs) Did you suddenly come from the holler? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to do a British accent. It didn't come out that way. What? That was like the hills of Tennessee or something. (laughs) Okay. Treason was a charge brought up for Anne's (laughs) supposed plot to murder Henry. Henry believed Anne would poison him, a common charge or fear of witches at the time. According to the History Channel, unfortunately, whilst being held in the Tower of London... The queen had recounted conversations and flirtations with various members of the court that implicated herself and the men in something more sinister. So in a playful conversation between herself and Norris, Anne had implied that were the king to die, Norris would be looking to step into his shoes as Anne's husband. Not realizing just how much danger she was in, she was unaware that all the conversations were being reported back to her husband. What was recounted as an innocent joke had just implicated Anne in a crime far more sinister than adultery. Anne had just admitted treason. Mm -hmm. So Anne, alongside her brother and three others, were tried and convicted of the charges. And guess who is one of the jury members at her trial who found her guilty? Dear old daddy. Yikes. Uh, well one of them we don't know if it was him or her husband 
Okay. Did that coffee taste good? Yes, it did. Good. Okay. Anne was killed by beheading at the Tower of London on May 19th, 1536. This was only three years after marrying Henry. Though the details are, once again, muddy, uh, similar to her birth. She is thought to have been about 35 years old at the time of her death. Sources claim Anne's remains were placed into an arrow chest and then laid to rest at the chapel of St. Peter at Vinicula. But her spirit won't rest for long. So break us down the uh, villainous facts. Okay. So here's some other juicy tidbits. Anne's Mm -hmm. emblem was a white falcon and she was likened to the bird of prey at her coronation by poet Nicholas Udall. She used this symbol throughout her reign and it was eventually carved into the Tower of London. Why is that bad? So that's a pretty bold statement. Mm -hmm. Think about a falcon. It is a carnivorous bird. Yeah, true. It is nothing to be messed with. Yeah. And actually, oddly enough, funny enough, uh, it is said that Queen Elizabeth I carried this same emblem. Maybe it's their ancestral guardian. Well, it came off of a family crest. Uh, it, it was the Butler family crest. I'm not sure exactly how she's related, like what her lineage is there, but she did take it from that. But also Elizabeth I was also known for her non-subordinate ways (laughs) Mm. okay when henry's first wife catherine of aragon finally died in 1536 so the same year that she gets beheaded and celebrated by wearing yellow (laughs) wow so she wears this yellow gown of happiness in a period of mourning that now Catherine is dead and there's no one to challenge her anymore. Yikes. Anne was also coronated with the king's crown rather than with the one made for the queen because she did not want the one made for Catherine on her head. Well, I could see that. But also because this was to show that she and her heirs would be the royal family and that Catherine and her daughter Mary had no claim to the throne. Which technically happened, sort of. Yeah, but Mary still became a queen. Right, I know, but I'm just saying Elizabeth did too. Yes, correct. So Anne was also the first cousin to Henry's fifth wife, who was also beheaded. Oh my God. So he just did not like this family, maybe. I don't know. Or this family was that villainous and seedy that they all needed to die. Wow. It's like off with their heads, off with their heads. Uh, Also, Anne was pregnant with Elizabeth prior to their marriage. Yeah. So 
was that doing a little bit of baby trapping to ensure that Henry really would leave Catherine? Mm. Girl was scandalous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So why don't you tell us about her ghost? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Okay. You tell me something, girl. This girl decided she was not done with the scandals. And she was coming back after she died. No, I'm just kidding. No, she's been seen quite a few times. Her ghost has been seen quite a few times in different places throughout England. Probably the most one, uh, most famous one, excuse me, is at the Tower of London, the place where she was beheaded. Many guardsmen and visitors have seen her there. They also report seeing, you know, a headless ghost, which in the last episode, we kind of talked about how this could be a mistaken identity because a lot of people have been beheaded there. Was her cousin and the fifth wife also beheaded at the Tower of London? I don't know that. I'm not sure, that but it makes sense that she would have been. I don't know mm-hmm. why she wouldn't have been because that seems to be the place where they just beheaded people. <laughs> I feel like there's probably a lot of headless ghosts walking around. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot of heinous shit that happened in that tower. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I believe it. Her ghost is also seen at Hever Castle in Kent, where she grew up. She's been sighted many times there. She takes walks around the property. She very blissfully tosses a sprig of holly into the water and leaves us all to wonder what the hell that symbolism is. And then also she's seen on the anniversary of her death. Supposedly it's like this whole sleepy hollow, you know, headless horseman scene. The horses are missing their heads. It's a whole thing. We don't know if that's actually true or just someone made it up to garner attention Hmm. the end with the ghost (laughs) it's a whole vibe (laughs) yeah okay well the question remains is Anne Boleyn a hero or a villain was she in it for herself and was her lust and her narcissism the reasons behind her downfall Mm. uh, Mm. See, like it's complicated, but now mm -hmm. that we've done this whole villain episode, I'm kind of feeling like she might've had some definitely selfish, uh, leanings. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I all like that. All the royalty. Well, probably, but I look, I definitely think that she was a woman ahead of her time. I think that she used her wit and her intelligence to get where she was. And I think maybe she used what was between her legs. Yeah. (laughs) And I think she had, you know, I think she had a lot of ambition and I don't, (laughs) and well, and I don't like ambition to rise the social ladder. I know what you meant. I was just laughing because I was thinking about it from the other standpoint (laughs) haha yeah I agree with you I agree with you with all those things but I do think maybe there was there was some scandals going on there had to be oh yeah they were all doing it though is my point all of them and also I wanted to say this you said before well there you know with the affairs and everything she couldn't really have had all these affairs because there were like attendants always in a room and all that Mm. maybe if they were just there anyway they didn't care 
Nah, well, yeah, I don't know because- Or they joined in. Uh, could have been, but- Come on now, you know they were all doing everybody. <laughs> yes, but also it wasn't like if they knew that information and they didn't tell Henry, they could be beheaded themselves. So would they risk their lives so she could get it on? Maybe if they were getting a little action too. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good if it's a threesome. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just trying to be funny y'all. Who knows? Yeah. So like, so like I said, I think that she was both and neither. I think she was a human being and she definitely had positive and negative qualities, a light side and a dark side. Agreed. (laughs) Hundo P. Hundo P. As you would say. Yes. All right. Should I wrap us up? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. We'd like to give a big thank you to all of our listeners, whether you are new or returning. Feel free to email your feedback and inquiries to Burning Hallows Productions, all one word, at gmail.com. Stay tuned for future episodes of Mimir's Well. And remember, despite our sweet reputations, we really have the hearts of men on our altars that we keep in jars. <laughs>